Well, we'll go right into looking at First Peter and a portion of scripture we have tonight. First Peter, First Peter chapter two. We're looking at the behaviour we ought to have as a believer priest. Um, <clears throat> it's our required practice because, or our required practice is to be holy as priest had to be in the Old Testament. We went back to Leviticus 8 and looked at their holiness there. We looked at, um, after that, becoming building blocks and beholding the beloved, the Lord Jesus. And now we're looking at our behaviour as believer priest. And we started that last week. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on our study and time together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the ability to pray as we do directly to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, our great High Priest, and that you've given us the position of being believer priests. Lord, what a precious privilege this is, but Lord, we do not use and take advantage of it as we ought many times. And forgive us for that. And I pray that we'd be in constant contact. The line and communication would not be broken. But they would be praying without ceasing as your word tells us to. And in that contact with our Lord and Saviour whom we're going to see very soon. Lord bless the time together. Bless the study. Bless those that are tuned in. And those that couldn't come but are here as it were listening in. We ask and pray your blessing on our time of prayer at the later time. In Jesus' name, Amen. And uh, we're looking there at verse 9. A remarkable position. God's sublime purpose is seen. A chosen generation. The middle wall petition has been broken down. We are <coughs> God's sovereign priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now, see if you're listening last week, what is different about that? What would the Jewish people say, look at that and say, what? Why would they say, what, as a Jewish person? Royal and priest don't go together. Royal and priest, kings and priests don't go together. Mm-hmm. That was anathema and it was a deadly thing to get involved in. And we looked at those points. And we looked at how did the Lord Jesus then became our, become our royal priest, a king? How can be he be a king and a priest? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. How did you say? He's from the tribe of Judah. Uh, and, and yeah, the king and the priesthood was Melchizedek. And so he could be that. He, he went way back, 400 and plus 30 years there in Egypt, then a few generations Abraham was, and Abraham was around when Melchizedek was there and Melchizedek was a priest and it's likened after the order of Melchizedek so that all fits together very well and then we looked at God's select people this is our remarkable position he's sublime, sublime purpose sovereign priesthood select people a holy nation in verse 9 he, Peter's crammed a lot in this verse a select people a holy nation 
Now, what is the difference between us and the nation of Israel? They were a holy nation. Is there any difference? Are we just a continuance of them? No, we're not. (laughs) And um, we are different. The church is different. And uh, we looked at different things that are similar but not the same. And we looked at one writer, Phillips, and read some portions from his writings concerning this. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. This does not mean a chosen race or of earthly people like Israel, but a body of believers that is made up from all nations. And the word nation is ethnos, usually translated Gentile or multitude. Um, Ryrie had some comments on this thought here because on this verse and the verse verse that's found in Galatians 6.15 and 16 that we mentioned last week those that don't believe in dispensations and who are a mill and don't believe in a millennium hang a lot of their doctrine and so it's important to know that if one of them challenged you as I've been challenged well from these verses Look, this is the same as what it talks about over in Deuteronomy chapter 14. It, it lists the same things about, about Israel. You know, a, whole, a, a priesthood, a, a holy nation, a peculiar people, all mentioned back there. But <clears throat> is there a difference then between us? And there certainly is. Hey, what are some logical things that we are different to Israel in? What are some things we don't have, or we do have as a as a church that they didn't have, and so and and vice versa? Is there anything? Because you see, some someday you'll be put on the spot, and <laughs> how do I answer? Oh no, I know you can't remember everything, but <laughs> that's a prevalent thing today. What about? Land. Do we have church have a particular plot of land somewhere assigned to them by God? No. Does does the nation of Israel? Yes. Yes, it does. Does the church have a particular future that's different to Israel's future? I know it's heaven, but there is a difference, isn't there? Yeah. You know, we are believer priests. The nation of Israel in the millennium will will be the nation down here. And the selected ones, 144,000, are killed during the tribulation. They have another particular position in the millennium too. They're right around the throne of the Lord. It tells you in Revelation. So there's differences and uh, they need to be addressed. But uh, Ryrie says, all non-dispensationalists blur to some extent the distinction between Israel and the church. They muddle it. And mix it. Such blurring fails to recognise the contrast that is maintained in Scripture between Israel, Gentiles, and the Church. In the New Testament, natural Israel and the Gentiles are contrasted. Where would you go to help a person to see, if they're willing to listen, <laughs> that there is this contrast between Gentile, Jew, and Church? Book of Romans. Good. The book of Romans, it would be. Israel is addressed as a nation 
in contrast to Gentiles after Pentecost. Pentecost happened Acts 2, <clears throat> Acts 3, 4, 5, and up to 21. There's about seven references there that contrast the nation with the Gentiles after the church is established. And so there's the church, the Gentiles, and the, na- and, um, the and Jews. In Paul's prayer, let's turn to Romans now, a royal post, a holy nation. We're looking at an holy nation. Book of Romans, chapter 9 and 10 is where Paul deals with this. And if anyone should know all about it and how it works, it's Paul. <laughs> He was given the special revelation. Uh, The dispensation of the grace of God was given him, Ephesians 3. Um, Verse 1 of chapter 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and and prayer to God for Israel. What did he just say? (laughs) Now, you see, if you believe the church has replaced Israel, then you'd read this, you'd think different when you looked at this verse. Brethren, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the church Israel. <laughs> and it doesn't say that. <laughs> this is national Israel. This is the people that have been promised a land and a promised a posterity and, and, and promised many blessings of God in the covenants. <clears throat> my heart's desire for them, that is Israel the nation, is that they might be saved because up to that point the majority were rejecting I bear them record, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Do they, do they, does the nation of Israel still have, or a portion of them, still have a zeal for God? They do. 20% of them over there are orthodox people and increasing. They're having the big families, and so they're increasing. And they live on government benefits, and so they're increasing at no little cost to themselves. It's sad that they live like that. And um, they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, go about to establish their right. And Paul starts there pointing this out. So in Paul's prayer for natural Israel, the nation of Israel, there is a clear reference to Israel as the national pe- a national people, distinct and outside the church. Chapter 10, keep your marker in Romans and go to chapter 10 of First Corinthians. This is a key verse too. <clears throat> Even if we just cover this point tonight, this will show that Israel is not the church and the church is not Israel. We haven't taken the promises. We can't take the promises of God to Israel. And they, they will do that. The amillennialists will take the promises given to Israel, to the church, but they'll leave the cursings <laughs> with Israel. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32, we read, Give no offence neither to the Jews, nor to the Greeks, or the Gentiles, sorry, nor to the church of God. What did you just read in that verse? What did we just read? Three distinct people groups there. If the Jewish people were the same group as the church or the Gentiles, then certainly there would be no point of the Apostle's distinction in this passage in 1 Corinthians. Again, it's the Apostle Paul. In addition, Paul, obviously referring to natural Israel, if you go back to Romans, this time to chapter 9, verse 3 through to 4. 
He's saying, and we used this the other Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, that Paul had a great desire and a heaviness, a continual sorrow in his heart for Israel, as, as Andrew does. Just the same sort of thing. You know, you, these people are so stubborn, they, won't, they don't want to see it. For in verse 3, I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ. Paul was part of the church. He was saved, regenerated. He had the Holy Spirit living within him. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, you can't get that mixed up, can you? I mean, he's talking about being a Jew. (laughs) Who are Israelites? I mean, plain sense makes common sense. Just accept it. (laughs) Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants? What pertains to these people, this chosen nation? This is after Pentecost. This is when Romans was written. Paul still held to this. The, the glory of the nation of Israel, hey, hey, they haven't occupied the whole land yet. They come as close to it under David and Solomon that they ever did, but they didn't get the lot that was promised to them. Uh, the, the covenants, they haven't been fulfilled, but they're unconditional, so they will be fulfilled. And the giving of the law, the Mosaic law, all those things. And the service of God, the services. And the promises. Whose are the fathers and to whom is concerning the flesh? Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forevermore. Amen. Um, That these words were written after the beginning of the church, some years later, is proof that the church does not rob Israel of her blessings. And the term Israel continues to be used for the natural, not spiritual descendants of Abraham after the church was instituted. It is not equated with the church. Now, in addition, believing Jews and believing Gentiles, which together make up the church in this age, continue to be distinguished in the New Testament. Um, Proving that the term Israel still means the physical descendants of Abraham. If you go to verse 6 of chapter 9, we read on, Not as though the word of God hath taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. See, if you think the other way, you'll say they are not all of the church or of the church. You start really getting muddled. (laughs) But not as though the word of God had taken no effect, for they are not Israel. What does it mean to say they are not all Israel who who are of Israel? Neither because they are the seed of Abraham. It picks up the hint in, gives you the idea in verse 7. For they are children, for they are all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. You see, <clears throat> if I said everybody in every church are all saved and all going to heaven, <laughs> would that statement be true? No. Not, not in your life. <laughs> And a lot of churches got a lot of unsaved people in them. Probably more unsaved than saved people. And I pray that on churches like the one here, that there are a lot more saved people. I pray that they're all saved people. <laughs> what, when one becomes a member of an independent church, independent Baptist church, or an independent church often, what, do the, what are they asked? What are they asked to share? Their salvation testimony. Now you can only go by their word. And and 
you know, and, and trusted it's fair dinkum and it's true and it's really happened. But here, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. You see, there were, for instance, the ones in the wilderness that we've been studying in the morning service. There's probably a lot less of Israel who are of Israel in that group. You see, they had to have faith too to go to heaven. Just because you were a child of Abraham by physical descent does not mean you go to heaven. Just because you're born in a Christian family doesn't mean you go to heaven. This is what this verse means. They're not all Israel who are of Israel. They, <clears throat> they had to exercise faith as their father Abraham did to be righteous just as we have to exercise faith to be a Christian. Um, <clears throat> you can read on down in those verses there. And uh, he brings up the fact that one had to believe by faith to be part of that. Now the other verse, and we won't turn there, to show that, or, or what people try to show that the church in Israel are the same and we just took over all their things, is Galatians six fifteen to 16 that I mentioned last week that reads, For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And we, we've, we covered that last week. <clears throat> who, compro- who composes the Israel of God? They're saved Jews, part of the church. <clears throat> I've written this note down here this afternoon. And how can you all... you? call Israel the church and vice versa when the church didn't start till Pentecost Jesus said when he was alive and travelling earth he said I will that's future build my church he didn't say it's present now Israel's here and this this is the church he didn't say that he said I will build my church looking and pointing toward Pentecost and it was a mystery as Paul said in Ephesians 3 verses 1 to 6, something hidden, but as Paul got the revelation, it was now revealed. So don't confuse the two. Don't confuse Israel and, <clears throat> and the church. They select a holy nation. Praise the Lord for those that have studied this and believe the truth. And beside this, is, there's all the Old Testament Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you know, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, scattered, scattered everywhere. (laughs) Jeremiah, I will not about seven times make a full end of Israel. I'll discipline them in measure, but not a full end. And Ezekiel says the same thing too. When he's talking about them being scattered, I'll bring them back. But praise God, we are a part of a particular group of people. A wonderful position for eternity. The church has. It's not just, I know we'll be in heaven and Old Testament saints will be there and tribulational saints will be there and millennial saints will be there, but the church has a particular position if you'd care to study through that. <clears throat> Privileged, right next to the Saviour. He's the bride. I mean, we're the bride, he's the bridegroom. 
Um, there's going to be a wedding for the church, isn't there? We call it what? The marriage supper of the Lamb with the bride. There'll be those who are the friend of the bridegroom, of which John the Baptist said he was. And he's going to look on. <laughs> I don't know if they'll serve or what, but the Lord... It's, the, when we get to heaven... <laughs> So, I don't know if our brains will go boom. Oh. <laughs> no, it won't be like that. <laughs> There'll be so much to absorb the moment we enter the pearly gates. If you can say pearly gate, pearly gates. <laughs> I don't think the pearly gates come at the end of the millennium. The, the New Jerusalem, some say it starts at the start of the millennium or comes down. But <clears throat> when we get there, so many things will fall into place. I think it's a learning process over time and much quicker than down here. We won't know everything instantly. I'm pretty sure of that because we'll be learning to appreciate the Lord and all he's done for us. And uh, singing, we'll, we'll be allowed to sing up there. No, no coronavirus in heaven. We'll be able to sing. <clears throat> and uh, no squeaky voices in heaven now we go to the next point God's strange progeny <laughs> a pe peculiar people that's one word I've always had a struggle with how do you say it? peculiar thank you that's about it <laughs> liar at the end but <laughs> peck liar <laughs> that sounds good oh yeah speech therapist over here <laughs> Say? Not a linguist. Not, okay, so you, you let off <laughs> on that. Does this mean we're a heap of oddballs? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Back there somewhere. <laughs> well, strange, you know. I'd like that we say that. No. But we are different, so different that the world sees us as. Thank you. They say, look on and say, why do they do what they do? Why do they spend their money and time? Why don't they just get out and have some fun? <laughs> you know, why don't they go to the pub? Why don't they go to the, the gambling, you know, do the gambling? Waste all the money. <laughs> but anyway, the Greek, <clears throat> the Greek word means to make round, to obtain, to acquire or possess. We are God's own special people. We've been obtained, we've been made round, as it were, and we've been possessed. We are possessed of him, and we possess him. We are a bride, we're a building, and we're a body, and other likenesses that the church is. Kenneth West said that each saint is uniquely, personally, and privately owned by God as his own special possession. And eternity will reveal fully that reality that we are personally made with particular gifts and abilities to serve and minister to him, which we start down here and we continue on in heaven. We are his servants. Uh, <clears throat> wonderful thought. And we're, we're strangers and pilgrims down here, as it says later in the verses. Um, <clears throat> 
Phillips made a comment on this and he said, God had an Old Testament people. They were to be a particular people, peculiar people too. They were to be separate. But they broke his heart. They didn't do what they were called to do. And now we're 2,000 years into church history and what do you think the church is doing? Same thing. Because in Revelation chapter 3, the last church that's spoken about there is the what church? The Laodicean church. And what does God say about the Laodicean church? Lukewarm. Not hot, not cold, nor hot. And he said, I will what? Spew you out of my mouth. We are the church... You know, Christendom, let's say that. Even even the church, we can disappoint the Lord. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We are a holy nation. We're a different people. But as Israel did, so are we doing the same thing. And, and in, I was just reading them through actually this morning, first three chapters of Revelation. And as you get to about the fifth church there he's really warning them you know just, you better stick at it because if you don't you're not going to go up in the rapture I can I can see it there there's a warning you know and and he, he, he we're to be overcomers and and victorious till he comes and the that might have been the, the the fourth one and he starts talking about that and he's he's warning of the the distance that has come between him and his beloved and this is all pictured in what minor prophet of the Old Testament concerning Israel how they had been chosen and were special they were the wife of Jehovah and they so disappointed him Hosea Hosea who was who took a, a wife that either was or became a whore as it's mentioned there in the scripture The tragedy of Hosea's home life reflected the tragedy of Hosea's homeland. Israel, the nation of Israel. He had a faithless wife who presented him with three children. He owned the firstborn as his. He called him Jezreel or scattered. And that's what God had to do to Israel, scatter them. And it seems he had serious doubts about the parentage of the second child. As a little girl, he called Lo Rama. Uh, <clears throat> unpitied, it means, unpitied, unloved, or she who never knew a father's love. Because Hosea's wife had gone out, and it seems that she had a, that child to another man, and it's, it means she who never knew her, a father's love. That'd be hard to be raised as a child like that. And a third child, and another boy it was, Lo Ami, which means not my people, no kin of mine. That you can hear Isaiah, no kin of mine. You know, <clears throat> didn't swamp the babies in the in the crib from the crib. No, this is this is behaviour of my wife. And, and God looking down on Israel and said, "This is the way you have been. This is what I feel like." And, and poor old Hosea built his prophecies around his domestic tragedy. Israel's constant infidelities caused God to disown the people. He, you can hear the heart of God in, the, I think, the second last minor prophet. Why 
how can I give you up? Why have you gone from me? I've done everything for you. What more can I do? And it's a real speaking to our hearts as Christians. God's saying, I've done everything for you. I've promised you heaven. Eternity is yours. You are secure, but you're flirting with the world. You're going committing spiritual adultery. Your heart's not where it should be. And how often we might find ourselves doing exactly that that Israel did. Let's look at Romans 9 and verse 24, 25, 25 and following. Notice what Paul did. He drew from Hosea. As he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. A picture of what's going to happen in the future, the church would start. But And it come, come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people. And, and you can almost go right to Matthew twenty three thirty seven. This day your house is left to you desolate. <clears throat> ye are not my people. There shall they be called the, the children of the living God. Right there in Jerusalem. One day they will be brought back and they will be called the people of God. Again, <laughs> Isaiah also crieth out concerning Israel, though the number of the children is the sand of the sea, a remnant, just a small group, the real Jew, saved Jew, or believing Jew, as in the Old Testament. For he will finish the work, he'll cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make on upon the earth. <laughs> From our perspective as humans, you say, um, <laughs> a short work? This has been going on for 2,000 years and Israel is going for over 1,000. But God, look at it from God's perspective. How do we look at it from God's perspective? Yep, that's exactly. When the, when the moment the rapture happens, we'll get the right perspective. It'll be the eternal present. <laughs> the time won't matter anymore. And um, <clears throat> a 1,000 years is one day and he... And, the, and vice versa. <laughs> there, <clears throat> we read on. There in uh, Romans 9. A remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work, cut it short in righteousness, a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And uh, it will be. When we look back in eternity, it'll be <laughs> a, long, a long time into the future. In eternity, we'll look back, it was a short work. And Isaiah said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed, We'd been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. No, obliterated. <clears throat> Unless the Lord had saved a few. What <clears throat> shall we say then? That the Gentiles who followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness. Gentiles are getting saved. It still irks the Jew today. It still irks the, ortho- the Orthodox. Notice in that article they put in about Andrew in Israel he's pretending to be an orthodox that's because he's using the Torah well he's just reading the Old Testament and quoting it he's not pretending to be 
an orthodox. He's not even trying to be an orthodox. He's orthodox Christian in, in sticking to the to Bible truth. But they don't like... Yeah, yeah, they can't say, well, he's a Gentile and they could really treat him differently. But he's a citizen of Israel. That's why they can't throw him out. Um, <clears throat> he, he, so it was the whole family at this time. Praise the Lord that they got that. And uh, they, they got it like that. <laughs> when he went over, it took a bit more for Rachel to get it. But <clears throat> we are his peculiar people. As they were, we are, we are special to the Lord in a different way. We're a heavenly people. Israel is an earthly people. And they will, with Gentiles, inhabit the millennium. Uh, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Strange? Yes. But special? Yes. <laughs> We're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus. Ephesians. We'll just go this far tonight. I was looking at more. Our responding praise from knowing these things. We should break forth in praise even when coronavirus is around. Because of what we know we have and are in the Lord Jesus. That's why we have the songs we do. Have you? <clears throat> I know that listening to Jewish music, it's usually on a violin and it's very different <laughs> different to what how we sing. But I don't know if it's just because we've adjusted to singing what we sing and the way we sing, or whether but you hear other people trying to sing about what they have and you just say, no, they haven't got it. Christians have got something to sing about. We're part of something wonderful, something eternal, something that is a great blessing to us. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, we read, For God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. So that's the learning process. In the ages to come we'll be learning and being shown the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Praise the Lord for what he's done. And this is why we can say as Mark 14.36, Romans 8.15 and Galatians 4.6 say through the power of the Spirit, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. If you go to Israel, you'll hear parents, you'll hear children saying that about their dad, Abba. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew's kids, the kids do when we were there then you, you sort of oh, I've heard that before but not from children like that and we as his little children can say praise the Lord for what he's done for us praise the Lord for the blessings but next week Lord willing we'll look at our responding praise from this and we'll work our way down into Romans and at the end of all this that Paul thinks about in the church compared with Israel and contrasted with it, he breaks forth his praise in about verse 33 and he says, how could we have thought of it? Only God could bring this to pass. 
You and I are privileged people. Let's not just take it for granted. You know, if you're born in the king's house, if you were, what's his little name? William over in England? Is his? George. George, you know. Oh, the, the, the little progeny. The, George, is it? Yeah. It is George. I just haven't heard his name. George and, and, the, and the little... Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, okay, yep. <laughs> you got the two of them. <laughs> if you were born into that family, you, 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 you didn't have a choice in it. You just have a privilege of it. <laughs> and then, But then you have all the restrictions of it too, don't you? <laughs> You've got to do this and you've got to behave and you've got to say the right thing. And kids will be kids and they'll, they'll do things that, hey, we're his children and uh, sometimes children will be children. <laughs> but we need to say, you know, I'm a child of the king, I'm a child of the, the Lord and I need to behave likewise. You know, and, and to set a great example, to be an ambassador, to be a testimony, to be something Someone, a child that the, our father says, I'm well pleased, well pleased. Well done, thou good and faithful servant.